Well, good morning. Good to see you this morning. My name is Josh, and one of the pastors here. And welcome again to all of you who are joining us online. And just a reminder, we'd love for you to join us this next weekend for Good Friday, Friday night, for Easter morning, 9 and 1045, and all of that will be streamed online as well. And we're just looking forward to a great weekend. Today, though, Palm Sunday, I was laughing with somebody after the first service. All the little kids came out with their little palm branches, you know, including my son. And uh, we were joking, yeah, now you, good luck driving home while you're getting beaten with a palm branch from the back seat. You have memories of those days, maybe some of you with young kids. But hey, it's a, it's a good, good morning. And uh, you know, if you have to suffer going home being beaten with a palm branch, that's not too bad. Because there, there is a lot of ways, there are a lot of ways, excuse me, to suffer in life, isn't there? Have you noticed that? I mean, for instance, you can hit your thumb with a hammer. That'll cause you to suffer. Uh, you can fail an important exam. That'll make you suffer. You can get rejected by a girlfriend or boyfriend or husband or wife after one year, five years, 20 years. That, that'll cause some suffering. You can die at a young age. That will make you suffer and all the people around you. Or you could lose a spouse after 50 years of marriage. Or That'll make you suffer. You might have a stroke. That'll make you suffer. You could fall off a horse, get into an accident, break a leg while skiing. You could slip and pour hot water all over yourself. Any realm of accidents make you suffer. You could writhe in shame of remembered guilt. That'll make you suffer. You could um, get tired, suffer a nervous breakdown, lose perspective, just become non-functional. That would make you suffer. Many parts of the world, you could be killed for being a Christian. North Korea, Afghanistan, where it's a death warrant when you proclaim Christ, or Somalia, where you're considered, uh, quote, a high-value target as a Christian. That'll make you suffer. You could lose your health, wealth, family, reputation like Job or any country song. That'll make you suffer. A great way to start the morning, huh? Just come in and, hey, welcome. Let's talk about suffering. <laughs> you know, um, I, I don't disagree with you. It is. It just feels kind of down to talk about those things. But, but Peter does talk about it in the text. And, you know, there, there is suffering. I mean, you could also be like Charles Ferris and Christopher Hicks of Rogers, Arkansas. After spending an evening out drinking on their back porch, uh, they had had a little too much. And one of them decided to go grab his... Uh, his bulletproof vest and put it on. And he told the other guy, hey, shoot me to try it out. So he shot him. And it, the, the, the vest stopped the bullet when it hit Charles, but uh, it left a big welt and he was kind of angry that it hurt. So when uh, Christopher put the vest on, he unloaded his whole clip into his back because of his anger. And this is a true story. And he, uh, they end up going to the hospital. They didn't get punctured by any bullets, but they were bruised up pretty good. And uh, then after that, they got arrested for aggravated assault, got a $5,000 bail, and, uh, you know, that'll make you suffer. John Wayne is credited as saying, you know, life is hard. It's even harder when you're stupid. That'll make you suffer. You know, but there is, there's, there's suffering in life. And the, the, the good news is, though, that God's word, it really covers and touches on every realm of human suffering, from uh, everything from the ravages of just living in a sin-cursed world uh, to accidents, to stupidity, 
to our sin, to ways that we're sinned against, the Bible speaks to, gives instruction for, and even comfort in, and hope for our suffering, which is good, good news. There's just, there's not a category of suffering the Bible doesn't cover. In today's passage, though, we're going to be talking uniquely and specifically, Peter does, about what it looks like to suffer as a Christian. So in other words, when you suffer for things that are distinctively Christian suffering, or even when you do suffer things that everybody suffers, uh, maybe uh, an illness or the loss of a loved one. For me, I can think of, of losing my dad, of my wife and I having, we've lost uh, five pregnancies. Um, suffering is part of life. And even the suffering that everybody endures, there's, there's a way to go through it as a follower of Jesus that's uniquely Christian and uniquely hopeful. So uh, that's what we're going to talk about today. And I know, cheerful, right? But we're, we're working through 1 Peter, and that's what Peter talks about today, and we don't get the opportunity to just skip over the stuff in the Bible we don't want to listen to, do we? And so that's where we're at this morning. Um, and you can pray for me. Uh, I'll be honest. It is kind of a downer to talk about these things, but at the same time, the whole message isn't going to be down. There's hope for us in our suffering, which is really, really good news. So with that, let me pray, and then we're going to open up to 1 Peter chapter 3 and continue uh, teaching through this book. Let me, let me pray. Father, thanks for Jesus, and thank you for your grace to us, for your goodness, for your hope in the midst of a life that's hard, for the hope that we have for those of us, Jesus, who've trusted you for the life to come. And uh, Holy Spirit, would you teach me as I teach? Give me your grace uh, teach us, encourage us, change us, challenge us. Lord, thanks for Jesus. It's, it's just, it's hopeless apart from him. So we thank you for him. And it's in his name I pray. Amen. Well, as uh, we start off this morning, I'm just going to read our passage today. First uh, Peter chapter three starts in verse 13 is where we've made it to so far. Uh, Peter writes this. He says, now who is there to harm you if you're zealous for what's good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, meaning people who might harm you for doing good, nor be troubled, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that's in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ might be put to shame for it's better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. Well, uh, Peter begins there in verse 13. He says, now, is there any harm to you if you're zealous for doing what's good? And he says, have no fear of people, those who make threats against you. In other words, 
just starting out of the gate, uh, Peter's telling us, don't fear people. Don't fear people. Uh, Now, maybe you struggle like me with this, though, where you do find yourself in fear of people and maybe struggle with people pleasing. And uh, how do you get over that? I mean, we know the verse, Proverbs 29, 25, says that fearing people is a dangerous trap. But trusting the Lord means safety. Who is there to harm you if you're zealous for what's good? You know, don't, don't fear people. Don't fear uh, what they might do to you. Sometimes uh, they're going to make idle threats. And if you're a follower of Jesus, that might mean the threat to your career, to uh, your reputation, to relationships within your family, within uh, your community, within your workplace. There's a lot that you could lose for following Jesus, Right? let alone if maybe you lived in one of the places we mentioned earlier, like North Korea or Afghanistan or Somalia or some of those places where we're simply uh, proclaiming that you're a follower of Jesus and claiming his name would, would put a bounty on your head. You know, uh, the reality is that most of us probably have never, uh, to that degree, suffered for our faith. But if you're a follower of Jesus, there's probably been some struggles you've had, right? Some hardships you've faced. And Peter gives us hope in this, saying, be zealous for what's good. Do good. Who's going to harm you for doing good? And if they do, even if they do, uh, you'll be blessed for that. So it's kind of a win-win. I do what's right, and I honor the Lord, and then if people reject me for that, I'm, I'm blessed for it. God honors me for honoring him, and then he honors me if I'm rejected for honoring him. It's a win-win. You know, even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, Peter writes, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. You know, uh, sometimes though the threat, probably most likely for us, isn't physical. But maybe it's your reputation. It's, it's not maybe what people might do to you as much as what they might say about you or post about you online or think about you. You know, Jesus himself told us people would say things about us. He said uh, in Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 10, he said, God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. And then he goes on and and says, God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you're my followers. I wonder, I know many of you, you've had this experience. You've decided to trust Jesus with your life. You've decided to follow him. And it's caused a falling out in your family. It's caused a falling out with your friendships and your relationships. It's hard to follow him. That's why Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, be ready to take up your cross. But he also promises that he's going to be with us the whole of every moment, right? Like he's with us the whole time. And he helps us through those things. And he says we're blessed when they happen. Now that doesn't make it easier though, does it? I mean, I don't like to be mocked. I don't like to be ridiculed. Something probably, maybe a little wrong if you do. <laughs> well, Peter here too, by the way, he's alluding to Isaiah, who I think I've said earlier in this series, I think was maybe his favorite Old Testament prophet because he quotes him all the time. Isaiah chapter eight says this, don't call conspiracy all that this people calls conspiracy and don't fear what they fear nor be in dread. That's kind of relatable today, too, isn't it? I mean, in, in, in Isaiah's day, there were conspiracies about things that might happen, that may not happen. 
today, especially in our political climate, we might hear about and uh, be sucked into different conspiracies about different things and what's going to happen and what are they going to do? And no, don't worry about that. Don't call everything a conspiracy. Everything's not. Don't fear that. Instead, look what he says in verse 13. But the Lord of hosts, him you shall honor as holy. Let him be your fear. Let him be your dread. Peter just said, don't fear people. Don't be troubled by them, but fear God. Instead, he's thinking of this. He's alluding to it because he gets to the next verse. He says, uh, instead, honor Christ in your hearts as holy. So don't fear people. Love Jesus. Don't fear people. Love Jesus. Now that's again, you're like, Josh, that's easy for you to say. And it is. It's, it's, It's easy to say. It's really hard to do. It's really hard to not fear people and to simply love Christ. But the reality is that as you love Jesus, those fears tend to wash away and and your resolve tends to grow by the power of the spirit. And and you just find this peace that you didn't even know was available to you. You experienced that? Many of you have. I hope you have. I hope you will. Uh, See, Peter says, even if you suffer for doing what's right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense. See, but rather, don't fear man, rather fear and honor Christ. Paul writes to the Galatians, am I trying to to appease man now? Galatians chapter 1, verse 10, he says, no, if I was trying to please people, I, I wouldn't be a servant of Christ. And, and really, rather than fear people, we, we need to turn our sights toward Jesus and, and fear and honor him most. And again, when you do, that resolve grows in your heart and you realize there really is nothing else to fear but Christ. I don't need to fear what they think of me. I don't need to fear their rejection. Is it going to hurt? Yeah, it's going to hurt. But I don't have to fear that. I can trust him. And he promises, even for those who give up those things, to multiply it back to us a hundredfold. This is Jesus' words, not Josh's. He does. So, you know, and I, I have a feeling when Peter wrote this, by the way, Peter says not to fear man, but to fear God. You know, if anybody could write about not fearing man and then turning it around to fearing God, Peter's a great example of this, isn't he? Because you remember Peter's example? I mean, you, you might read it this week even as you or hear it read on Friday night, potentially, as we enter into Holy Week. Peter, on the night Jesus was betrayed, what did he do? He cowered in fear, denied even knowing Jesus. First, he starts off talking big. Oh, Jesus, I'll die for you. I'll go to the, go to the end of the earth for you. Like, there's no way I'm turning my back on you. And then uh, a junior high girl comes up to him and is like, hey, weren't you with Jesus? He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And he's terrified, and he, he denies Jesus to a young servant girl. And then he denies her denies Jesus to another girl who, who says, hey, you're one of them, another servant girl. And Peter knew what it was like to fear men, to fear it in a big way. But he also knew what it was like to turn from that fear and to honor Jesus in his heart. Because the same one who denied Jesus to a middle school girl also, no offense, middle school girls, those of you who are here, here right? But for Peter to be afraid of you, that's That's bad. Uh, But he also then comes back, and in in the book of Acts, he's preaching with boldness under the threat of going to jail, and he goes to jail for it. How does that change happen? Well, he went from fearing people to honoring Christ in his heart. That's how. And so if anybody can tell us this, it's 
It's Peter, isn't it? And I think he had probably his friend Jesus' words in mind as he wrote this, because Jesus said, don't fear those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him, fear God, who can destroy both body and soul in hell. You know, Peter spent so much time with Jesus, more than uh, almost anyone else on the face of the earth during his ministry. And over and over in this letter, we, we hear echoes of things Jesus said because Peter, as his friend, I'm sure as he's writing, those things are coming back to mind. You know, uh, we have this choice. We can either fear men or we can honor Christ. The Lord is holy. And, and when we're faced with potential suffering, we're faced with being mocked or ridiculed for our faith. We, we kind of have a choice, don't we? Well, not kind of, we do. We can either uh, be afraid of people and cower in fear and be a, a coward. That's not like not being macho. It's just like I cower in fear of people. Or I can uh, honor Christ in my heart as holy. And then uh, that resolve grows in me that there's really nothing to fear but Jesus himself. And he loves me. And, and so I, I have that choice in every moment. And Man, I don't know about you, but lately in our culture over the last year especially, like there's just so many things where you're like, I don't, I don't even, I don't want to see that. I don't want to know that. I, I sure don't want to comment on it. I sure don't want to talk about it. I'm not going to post on it. I'm not going to like that. And so you don't. And then somebody from, because you know all the pressure coming from one side, but then somebody from the other side comes along and, well, you're not saying anything. You're part of the problem. And you're just getting squeezed from both sides. And you can fall into the trap and that snare of trying to please people rather than honor Jesus in your heart as holy. Now, that's a hard spot to be in. But the good news is that as that happens, Peter tells us that that, that misery of being kind of squeezed and, and pressed in gives us a great opportunity for ministry. It gives us a great opportunity to to, to reflect who Jesus is to people who need him. Even, even if it's not that suffering, that kind of distinct suffering for just following Jesus, but it's, it's the suffering of, of just living in a fallen world that we all endure. The way I go through it um, and continue to go through it, because some suffering just seems to endure, but, but it gives opportunity again to give an answer for what I believe and for that hope. I mean, when, when you suffer for some things, I mean, if you're a follower of Jesus, maybe you've had this happen and people have just said, you know, I went through that and it kicked my butt. How are you making it through? Well, Peter says when that happens, verse 15, to be ready to give an answer for the hope that's in you. Or uh, your relationship with your spouse. Like, they, it's like, it's like your friends. How's that work? <laughs> well, have an answer for that hope. Like, in the midst of suffering and the trials of life, there's, there's, there's opportunity then to reflect Jesus, isn't there? To, to live for him. To live for him. In your heart's honor, Christ the Lord is holy, always being prepared, though, to make a defense because then after you live for him, you're going to get the opportunity to talk about him. You will. And, and you know, sometimes there's a time just to open your mouth and 
say what's true and tell people about Christ. Other times it's, it's time to just hold back and listen and be quiet and live your life in such a way that you're doing good and, and loving Christ and loving people and they're watching, it'll happen, they'll ask. What will you say when they ask? How will you reply? Well, um, do it with gentleness and respect and do it with honesty. You don't have to lie about something not being hard. If you're a follower of Jesus, it, it doesn't, just because you follow Christ doesn't mean that the suffering you endure, that someone else suffers, isn't like somehow that your suffering is less, right? Sometimes I think uh, we wrongly get that idea that, oh, because I follow Jesus, I shouldn't be hurting like this. I shouldn't feel this. I shouldn't suffer this long in this way. Nonsense. It just means that, you know what? You have a hope to make it through that somebody else may not. And so when the opportunity comes to talk about it, be honest. You know, and if you're worried, well, I don't, I don't even know what I would say, Josh, if somebody asked me to, uh, to, to tell them about my faith, like I wouldn't know how to explain it. I would just stumble through. Well, uh, two things of encouragement for you. Number one, Jesus said on that day when that happens, when you're brought before people and maybe you're interrogated, he's speaking here to his listeners here, and they bring you before the synagogues, the rulers, the authorities, Luke chapter 12, verse 11 and 12. Don't be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say. The Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what to say. If you're a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit's living in you. He'll, he'll help you. He'll help you speak. I can't tell you how many times on a Sunday morning I... I'm walking up here, I'm like, oh boy, I don't know what I'm gonna say exactly about that thing. And then all of a sudden I'll say, I'm like, oh, that was pretty good. But I didn't have it written down. I didn't think it, it's just the Holy Spirit does that, right? You, have you had that experience in talking about Christ? That he does that. But, but there's also things you can do to prepare to be ready. You can. Um, you can pray. You can read your Bible. You can memorize God's word. You can develop like we've talked about some spiritual habits, right? Uh, go to, if you want some help with that, go to wawaseebible.com slash habits. And you can find music to listen to. You can find scripture to read. You can find how to study the Bible. We're gonna keep adding more and more to that uh, over the coming months and this next year. Um, make praising Jesus part of your daily practice. Just find a time where, you know, you know every time I, I get out of my car after I get somewhere, just I'm just gonna... Thank you, Lord, for helping me get here safely. Thanks for Jesus. I mean, you just remember that. For me, if you've, you've ever noticed when I pray, I always, I always start, it's just habit now, Lord, thanks for Jesus. I started doing that probably 10 years ago just to remind myself of the gospel that, that I'm hopeless apart from him, and now it's just, that's become habit for me. And I am thankful for him. I am thankful for him. Uh, be natural in witnessing and in talking about what you believe. You know, I mean, you don't have to come up with all kinds of fancy words or explanations or, you know, write some theological dissertation about something. No, you just need to say, hey, you know what? My life was a mess. I realized I was incredibly messed up and in need of help. I, I trusted Christ. I'm still messed up, but guess what? He's making me new and I'm less messed up today than I was five years ago and, and I'm growing and, and I just have this freedom and this hope for the future and even if you just stumble over it kind of like I am right now, like, like be yourself, it's okay. Uh, respond with care. See, uh, remember, it, when you're making a defense to do it with gentleness and respect, your point, 
You're not trying to win a point for Jesus and win an argument. You're trying to win a person. <laughs> you hear that? You're not, you're not trying to win a point. You're trying to win a person. Too many people go about, I mean, just turn on talk news. Everybody's trying to make a point. Nobody's trying to win people. Just love people and care and listen. And if they reject you, that's okay. Jesus says you're blessed. Pray for them. Keep loving them. Keep talking. And listen, you know, you don't, you don't need to be the one to convince someone. Uh, That's the Holy Spirit's job. And the good news is that, that no one really can argue with your experience of who Christ is. You can just tell, this is, look, this is what I found to be true. And you don't have to believe it, but I'm telling you, for me, man, it, it is so true. And I believe this book. I believe what he's done for me. Well, when you do that and you really love people, we're sent to love people, uh, you can, like Peter says, have a good conscience. Do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered. I kind of wish this was an if, don't you? Yeah, I do too. Like like following Jesus, I wish that said if you are slandered, but it doesn't. It says when. In other words, there's going to be people that, that talk smack about you because of following Jesus. There's going to be people who mock you behind your back, who ridicule you, who don't like you. (laughs) And that's hard. But um, have a good conscience so that when that happens, those who might revile your good behavior in Christ would be put to shame. You might not be able to keep people from slandering you, but surely you can stop from giving them ammunition for it in the sense of just doing dumb things, right? Or doing evil things. Do what's good. Be zealous for what's good. And then if they, they shame you, their threats are, it's going to be just clear that, man, that's not who that person is. What are you talking about? And they'll be put to shame. Uh, for it's better to suffer for doing good, Peter writes, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. There's the if. If it's God's will that we would suffer for doing good, that's better than if we suffer for doing evil. You know, like the lady who, uh, this is a true story, by the way. Uh, She got frustrated at a guy driving a bus, and so she stopped her car, got in the bus, and assaulted him with a half-eaten banana. (laughs) True story. This happened, I think, in 2019. Had banana all over me, the guy insisted. It was on my tie, my shirt, my eye. The woman explained the driver had almost hit her car and that when she entered the bus to rationally discuss the matter, the banana just slipped right into his tie, right into his shirt, right into his eye. The court didn't really believe that, but it did believe her when she said, I don't know how a half banana can make such a mess. And they said, we don't either. It's unreasonable. And she got slapped with a $100 fine and sent out. If you're going to suffer, suffer for doing good, not for being stupid, right? Don't give people ammunition if you're a follower of Jesus. See, and just so don't fear people. Love Jesus. Honor him in your heart as holy. And here's the deal. He will save you. He can save you. He loves and delights in saving you and being your example and being with you, suffering with you, cleansing you, rescuing you. That's what Jesus delights to do in your life and mine. See, that's where Peter goes next. He says, for Christ also suffered. Jesus suffered. We, we worship a guy who, 
who suffered, who was a man of sorrows, who was acquainted with grief. The righteous for the unrighteous. He's righteous, I'm unrighteous. Well, why did he suffer for me? Well, so that he could bring me to God, so that he could rescue me. Being put to death in the flesh, we'll remember that this week, Good Friday, but being made alive in the spirit. He, he also rose from the grave. He conquered death. Peter goes on, in which, in the spirit, then in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison. Now this verse and the next verse, I gotta tell you, verses 19 and 20, because then he goes on, he says, because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah. I don't know about you, do you get confused? Did you get confused when I was reading this earlier? And you're like, okay, Peter, I get it, uh, do good. Honor God, I get it, um, you know, uh, to, to, to not fear people, but to, to love Jesus in my heart. But where did Noah come from? Like, what's this about? And, and what about, back to verse 19, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison. Well, if you're confused by this, you're in good company because Martin Luther, here's what he said. He said, this is a wonderful text and a more obscure passage perhaps than any other in the New Testament so that I don't know for certainty just what Peter means. I can't understand it, I can't explain it, and there's been no one who's ever explained it. So after Martin Luther says he can't explain it and no one has or can, I'm gonna try to explain it to you. Sound good? I'm like, okay, well, let's, let's just see. Uh, because it is, it is confusing and there's a few options here uh, of what this could possibly mean. Some, maybe you've heard it explained this way, uh, when, when uh, Peter says he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison. Uh, some explain that between uh, Christ's crucifixion and resurrection that he went to the realm of the dead, to hell, to Hades, and proclaimed the gospel uh, to those who had died and gone to hell to give them an opportunity to trust Christ and be raised from the grave. That's a common understanding of this passage. I don't, I don't think that's what Peter is saying here. Um, the second option would be that between uh, Jesus' death and resurrection or after his ascension, Jesus went and preached not to people in hell, but to, uh, to demons, to principalities, to those whom he had won victory over in his death and resurrection, uh, the fallen angels. I think that's a more likely possibility of what Peter's talking about here. But I think there's a better explanation than both of those that really fits into the context of what Peter's been saying here in the sense that, that Peter's been uh, talking here about having a good conscience amidst unjust uh, slander and persecution and to trust God in the midst of people who are turning on us. Well, I think when we take these two verses together, 19 and 20, and we bring Noah into the picture, I, I think what, what Peter likely, I wouldn't die for this, but I think this is what he's saying, okay? During Noah's building of the ark, 120 years is how long that took, Christ's spirit was in Noah, the Holy Spirit was in Noah, preaching to all the unbelieving people. Now, here's why I say this. In, Peter also says in chapter one, if you remember in verse 11, he refers to the spirit of Christ when he refers to the Old Testament prophets, that the spirit of Christ was working in them. So again, the spirit, and then working through Noah. Second uh, uh, Peter 2.5 2, describes Noah in Peter's other letter. He calls Noah a preacher or a herald of righteousness. In other words, that Noah went around in his day proclaiming the gospel, proclaiming the righteousness of God. Hey, listen, you got to repent. There's judgment coming. 
Are you familiar with the story of Noah, by the way? Noah, you can read about him in Genesis 6 and, and following. And in Noah's day, everyone uh, had become just, uh, had rebelled against God. And, and, the, and wickedness was increasing on the face of the earth. And it was becoming more and more and more rampant. Nothing's really changed, has it? But Noah... It says in, in chapter 6 that Noah found favor with God. Now, I don't know about you, but I grew up going to church, and I, I remember learning when I was a kid that uh, Noah found favor with God. He walked with God, and because, uh, because Noah walked with God, God showed him favor, right? And so he said, hey, Noah, I'm going to save you and your family and build an ark, and it'll be great. But if you notice, there's a certain order in the text where it says first that Noah found favor with God, and it's the next verse, I think it's verse 9, if I remember right, that it says that, um, that then Noah walked with God, found favor, then walked with him. See, uh, religion would tell you that, no, if, if uh, God will love you and show you favor once you finally walk with him, once you get it right, once you follow all the rules, once you measure up, finally meet this standard, then he'll love you. The problem is you'll never hit that standard. And you're always going to wonder, was that enough? Was that enough? Oh, I better do a little more. Is this enough? If I speak like this, act like this, fill in the blank, right? But, and then God will love you. No, 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 that's, listen, that's religion. That's the lie of the serpent in Genesis chapter three. Do this, eat this, then you'll be like God. No, the gospel is that Jesus shows you grace. That word favor in the Old Testament is the same word as grace. Jesus shows you his grace and then he makes you new as you trust him all by faith, all of his work on the cross. And then you live it out. Then you grow and you live in righteousness. Not to earn my salvation, but from my salvation. I don't achieve it, I receive it and live it out. Do you see the difference? It's huge. It's huge. And so Peter references Noah here. Uh, Noah, a guy who found favor with God, and then uh, he walks with him. And so in walking with him, God ends up saving Noah and his whole family. And God comes to Noah and he says, Noah, I want you to build an ark. And Noah goes, okay, what's an ark? It's a boat. Okay, um, I don't live around any water. What do I need a boat for? It's going to rain. Now, do you know, uh, most scholars, and I would agree with them, uh, would argue that it had never rained yet on the earth in the days of Noah. And so God had to explain, well, Noah, here's what's going to happen. All the, I'm going to take the water, and it's going to fall from the sky. Okay. Um, and then what? Well, then you, I'm going to save you because uh, my heart is just grieved at the wickedness of people on this earth. And I'm going to save you and your family, and uh, we're going to start over. So Noah's like, okay, well, how am I going to build this? He's like, well, do you have a family? He goes, yeah, three sons, right? Yeah, go get them. You'll figure it out. <laughs> and God says, it'll be 120 years now for uh, and, and, and that I'll, I'll deal with man. So 120 years until the flood would come. And God gives, gives grace to Noah. And after 120 years, we read already, we heard from uh, 2 Peter chapter 2 that Noah was a herald of righteousness, a preacher of righteousness. 
And uh, the, as, as he continued uh, to go about building the ark for that 120 years, he was telling people about Jesus. And so he was telling them over and over about Christ. And he was waiting patiently for people to repent of their sin. But no one did. No one repented. The unbelievers on, on earth were, were spirits in, in prison to their sin. And, and through Noah, the spirit of Christ preached to them. But none responded. Now, why do I say that interpretation makes the most sense? Well, I think it makes the most sense because there's so many parallels between Noah and Peter's readers and us. I mean, think about some of these things. Uh, those, um, Noah faced unjust persecution. So did Peter's readers. Noah had no converts. So do many people who share the good news of Jesus. No one responds. Uh, Noah knew that judgment would come soon. And he said, listen, judgment's coming and there's going to be water. It's going to fall from heaven. And, and if you don't repent, you're going to suffer God's wrath. Well, today, what do we say? People then, they water? Come on, falling from the sky? What do you mean? Today, you look at, uh, you preach the gospel. No, judgment is coming at God's hand. Uh, fire and his wrath for sin. If you don't repent and turn and trust Jesus, you're going to suffer his wrath. Come on, you're crazy. Do you see the parallels? There's all of these parallels together. Ultimately, Noah and his family were saved from the floodwaters. And ultimately, those who trust Jesus Christ will be saved from God's wrath. Noah went into the ark and made it through the water. We, if you trust Jesus, you go into Jesus Christ. You're in Christ and you make it through. And that's why Peter then says in the next verse, baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you. Now, he's not saying here that you're saved by baptism. It might sound that way, but understand all the context, right? How, how was Noah saved? Well, through the ark, through the waters. In the same way, baptism saves you through the waters in the sense it's an act of faith. Noah had to trust God and put his faith in him and, and follow him and honor him. And God saved him and he'll do the same for you. The water of baptism, it's, it's like waters of judgment in some sense, symbolically, similar to the waters of the flood, showing clearly the, uh, what we deserve for sin. But coming up out of the water, baptism corresponds to being kept safe through the waters of the flood, through God's judgment for sin. We're kept safe in Christ, just like Noah was kept safe in the ark. And don't fear people. Love Jesus, and he'll save you. He'll bring you through. Well, this morning, we get to celebrate a handful of baptisms. We had a handful in the first service. We got a few more this service, and we're excited about that. And uh, baptism, you need to know, is, as uh, they enter into the water here in a moment, it's, it's symbolic. It doesn't save them, but it's, as, as, as Peter says, it's an appeal to God for a good conscience. It, it's an act of faith, and he emphasizes that by saying it's through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You're, you're going to see symbolized Noah passing through God's judgment, right? Same for you and I, passing through God's judgment. You're going to see the resurrection of Jesus where uh, just as Jesus was crucified, died, and was buried, 
and then rose to new life on the third day. In the same way, we put our faith and trust in Christ. We get in the ark. We get in Christ. He saves us. We die with him. We're crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, Galatians 2.20 says. And I'm, I'm raised to new life. And so it's symbolic of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And, and it's just an outward expression of something that's happened inwardly, a physical expression of something that's happened spiritually in my heart. And so those who are doing this today, they've said, hey, I've trusted Christ. I've put my faith in him. I'm trusting him, come what may, and I'm gonna walk with him to the, uh, by his grace as best I can. And this is who I am. And it's a public declaration of that fact, of identifying with Jesus' death, burial, resurrection. And so there's no more need to fear people, but simply to love Jesus because he saved them, he'll save you. So with that, um, we're going to have baptism here in a moment, and I'm going to pray, and then uh, they're going to come up, and um, we're going to celebrate this and, and the fact that they've, they've passed through because of God's grace through and away from and are safe from his wrath and safe to new life. So let me pray. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that because of Jesus, we don't, we don't need to fear people. We don't need to be afraid. Would you help uh, those of us, Lord, who, who struggle with that? All of us, I think, do to some degree. Would you instead help us, Jesus, to love you, to love you most, to honor you as holy in our hearts, as set apart, as, as first? Jesus, you are first. And then as we do that, would you... Uh, grow our faith, grow our resolve, grow our confidence and our courage to trust and follow you, come what may. Uh, living with a good conscience, being zealous for what's good, loving people, so that uh, when we're slandered for following you, uh, they would, there'd be no excuse for what they've said. Or, or when we just suffer in general, people would see that and we have, have an opportunity to, to show your grace to, to more and more people. And Holy Spirit, thank you that through Jesus you save us and you rescue us and you cleanse us. Not because of anything we've done, not because of our goodness, even as we read at the very beginning of the service this morning, but all because of your goodness and all because of your good works.